unless you're in the field. There's other reasons why. When you're in the field, you're not just meeting with your team. You should be meeting with your major stakeholders and partners, you know, the people that you and your teams do business with. Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Ronin Leadership Podcast. This is Mike Howard. Uh, really uh, great to be back here doing podcasting. I've uh, been out for a couple of weeks, had a lot of different, uh, it's actually been really good. So um, I was able to officiate my first wedding. I became a, um, an officiant in Clark County here and actually ordained as a, as a, as a reverend uh, through the Universal Life Church. So it was wonderful to actually uh, be able to marry some really wonderful uh, people very close to us, close to, to Janice and to me. And so that was a blessing, but that certainly uh, took up some time in terms of planning. But uh, all's good, and it's great to be back here. Um, thank you again for your feedback on the podcast. And uh, if you like the podcast, please hit that subscribe button um, you know, on the screen. Uh, also, make sure you tell your friends and family about the podcast. Uh, it's a leadership podcast, but I think it, it's for anybody that wants to learn to grow and to enrich themselves, make themselves better in their personal and professional lives, because that's what we kind of try to tackle here. It, yes, certainly we talk a lot about leadership, uh, but we also have delved a lot into, you know, kind of how to, how to deal with everyday life. And so we've got some great guests on the horizon uh, that uh, we'll tell you about uh, as these things get, uh, get uh, on the calendar, but you're gonna find some really, really wonderful guests. We've had great guests before. We're gonna have more guests in the future. As always, uh, if you have not done so already, please uh, pick up a copy of my first book, The Art of Ronan Leadership. Uh, you can find it on MikeHowardAuthor.com and also on, on Amazon. Um, because of uh, the feedback that you've given me on the first book, I took my, I, I decided to, to write a second book, which I can uh, really uh, happily say is done. And it's almost ready uh, to, be, to be published. We're doing the final final on the layout now. So we're talking a matter of days, if not weeks, when this new book will be out. And it is called uh, The Art of Executing Ronin Leadership Strategies. Uh, the, the feedback that I received from a lot of you on the first book was that you enjoyed reading it, enjoyed hearing my journey, and enjoying really understanding what I consider to be um, great leadership principles and what makes a great leader. Um, but a lot of you told me that that was great, but we now want to know how. How do you build a great team? How do you select the members to be on that team? What are, what's the vetting process? And uh, how do you build that team to be cohesive and strategically moving in the right direction? Uh, how do you develop a business strategy? Uh, a business strategy that's going to excel your team and your organization to, to greater heights uh, with greater ROI. And how do you sell that to the C-suite? And then once you do that, how do you get the funding to fuel and drive that, that wonderful business strategy you've come up with? How do you practice continuous improvement? What does that mean? What does it look like? And uh, so these are all the kinds of things that you've given me in terms of feedback, things that you like to hear about. So 
that's what the book is all about. It's a how-to book. You can grab that book if you're, whether you're a baby leader or you're a senior leader, wherever you are on the spectrum, uh, you can take that book and get a roadmap on how to build teams, how to build strategies, how to do continuous improvement and sustain that high level of execution. So more to follow. I've been posting a lot on social media, um, seeding uh, this particular book. So you have an idea what the cover looks like, uh, but more to come. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, before the end of the month, for sure, uh, that book will be out. And I uh, really encourage all of you to, to yeah, buy a copy, and tell your friends about it and spread the word. So for today's podcast, um, I got to thinking about one of the things that uh, I've mentioned both in the first book, but I certainly delve into it a lot into the second book. And that is really uh, about what people used to call management by walking around. And uh, what that entailed was what the notion was as a leader, uh, you can't be just sitting in your office all the time. You need to get out and about, visit your team members, uh, and talk to them, visit them, uh, even if it's only just to shake hands and show them that you're appreciative of the work that, they, that they're doing on a daily basis on behalf of you, uh, your leadership team, and the organization, and the company as a whole. But I delve more into this in the book, and, I, and, I, and this is a, I guess it's kind of a, what you call a pet peeve, of mine is because uh, it's always been in my DNA and the DNA of the, the leaders that I have uh, been mentored by or I at times try to emulate or I admire um, is that this notion of you need to get out into the field. Colin Powell, the late General Colin Powell, who uh, all of you know, if you know me, you know I've been a, a great fan, a follower of for many years. I read all his books, and back in the day, uh, Colin Powell, uh, for those of you who don't know, when he was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff um, uh, for the military, he actually um, uh, put together on three by five cards uh, his Colin Powell principles, about 13 of them, and he kept them on his desk. They eventually became a book, and you can find it online now, uh, and they're pretty famous, and they're pretty uh, common sense, uh, ways to to think about leadership and your day and how you deal with people. Uh, but one of the ones that struck me the most was this phrase that the field is right until proven wrong. And what Powell was trying to say is, remember Powell, you know, like well, you know, a lot of people who become generals in the military or become senior leaders, they uh, he started off, you know, as a as a second lieutenant. He was ROTC. Um, City College of New York, I believe, uh, graduate, and went up the ranks. And one of the things that he understood that uh, as he got higher in rank and attained uh, various levels of influence and power within the U.S. government uh, was the fact that, yes, at a certain point, you are responsible for strategy, you're responsible for the politics and dealing with politicians and bureaucrats and and making sure you're taking care of your, your, your troops, your team. Um, but at some point, you have to remember as a senior leader that you don't know the day-to-day -day goings on of what's happening 
and people in your command. When I was Chief Security Officer at Microsoft, my leadership team and I were responsible for formulating strategy for our organization and driving that strategy, dealing with the C-suite and dealing with budget issues and personal issues, blah, blah, blah. But my, our team uh, members around the world, they're doing the day-to-day -day work. They're doing the investigations. They're doing the triaging of crisis management issues, right? They're dealing with kidnapping and extortion issues or threats of violence. They have the ground truth. And so I think what Powell was trying to say is, uh, it's not that when you become a, a leader at a certain level that you're insular, you have to make sure you kind of understand in general what's going on uh, in your particular ecosystem. But as you said, the field is right until proven wrong. If the field says, if you say we need X, we need for you to do X, and uh, the field says, well, we can't do X because it doesn't make sense here, and we'll tell you why. Culturally or uh, operationally, it doesn't make sense, and you have a, you have a discussion, and as a, as a good leader, as a good senior leader, you take and weigh in what uh, the people on the ground, the field people tell you because they see what they see every day, the pressures that they're dealing with, the, the, the politics even at the local level that they're dealing with, or just the, the, the issue of bandwidth, you know, uh, manpower, resources. Uh, I've seen a lot of times where people at headquarters think because they're of a certain rank, uh, that they know everything. And so no matter what the field tells them, say, hey boss, we understand what you're saying, but uh, what you're proposing won't work here because of this. We think that if you do it this way, it might work. And I've seen, I've seen many examples of people at headquarters, I call it the headquarters mentality, where they say, no, no, we need to do it this way. Like totally discounting what the field has to say. And I think that was basically Powell's uh, you know, motivation for uh, putting together that particular uh, leadership principle was that the field is right until proven wrong. And that's always stuck with me, uh, both at CIA as well as at uh, the years I had at Microsoft. Um, I have, so this is, this is more of a two-pronged thing, right? So the first part, when I talked about management by walking around, in a new book I talk about management by flying around, so M, B, FA, right? Managing by flying around. The, the idea is that you need to get out of your, your seats at headquarters or wherever you are and get out to visit. So in my case at Microsoft, big campus, I have team members primarily at one particular building that I was not in because I was in an executive building. I would take the time on routinely to go over to this other building and whether I had a meeting there or not, and sometimes I did, was just to walk around and visit people in their offices, see how they're doing, um, and find out you know, how they're feeling. Uh, and just to show that I, as the Chief Security Officer, care about who these folks are, what they're doing for us, and their value to our organization. Uh, I mentioned in the, the book that's coming out, when Colin Powell was uh, Secretary of State, he remembered those lessons from being a military officer, and he would, you know, he would uh, walk around and visit you know, low-level uh, State Department uh, officers doing their work, visit them in their cubicles, in their offices, and 
say hi to them. Can you imagine the, the feeling if you are a junior State Department person, been on for a couple of years even, and all of a sudden the Sec State, Secretary of State shows up and it's Colin Powell, right? This, this icon of leadership uh, who stops by just to say hi, see how you're doing. It makes your day and it makes an impression. And I think that's really important. And I think a lot of leaders forget that part of it. Uh, there are leaders at our headquarters that won't even walk down the hall uh, to say hi to their teams. They'll email them or something, but they won't just walk around routinely and say hi. Are they too busy? I don't think so. Uh, they, they have the time to go to lunch. Um, and if they have the time to go to lunch or sometimes they work out, then you have the time to go visit your team members. And that extends to if you are head of a, a global organization, then you have to do the management by flying around. I have seen too many examples of where senior leaders um, will, instead of flying out to visit their teams overseas, will always bring them into headquarters. Now, certainly the folks at, at, in, in the field, they don't mind a trip back to HQ, staying in a hotel, and, and um, you know, being able to see colleagues back at headquarters, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine, and I have no problem with bringing the troops back to headquarters on occasion, but it shouldn't be every single time they have to come to me. As a leader, you make the concerted effort to get on that plane and visit your team. In my, in my case, I had, uh, like a lot of my colleagues, and I'm not unique in this, a lot of my colleagues in the CSO world, we have global teams. I had teams in Asia, Pacific, and I had eight, uh, teams in Europe, Middle East, and Africa, uh, Latin America, as well as domestic US. So you need to strategically think about every fiscal year, okay, what are the places I need to visit? Right, this this particular fiscal year. Last year I visited China and I, I visited Istanbul. So maybe this year I need to visit some place like Mexico and Latin America, or I need to uh, need to visit, you know, Egypt or or whatever. You know, based on the operational tempo, uh, what's going on in the world, what's going on from a threat vector around the world, as well as you know from a uh, purely business standpoint, where do you need to go? You map out during that fiscal year where you need to travel, but then you get on the plane and with your team or whoever and you travel. And you get out there and you meet with your teams. And you meet with your teams uh, for a couple of reasons. One, tell them what's going on at headquarters, what's going on back at, at you know, at, at, in our case, Redmond, Washington. What are the things happening in our macro organization? We roll up under finance. So what's happening there that might affect their conduct of business? You know, what, what are we doing from a leadership standpoint in terms of strategy? What do we think about in the future? So you kind of give them, you know, sort of a data dump on what's happening. But the most important part is the pulling information from them. You know, getting together with your field team and finding out, okay, Hey, what's going on? What's going right? What's going wrong? What are the things you need? What kind of resourcing do you need? What are the obstacles you're dealing with? Are you dealing with any headaches from anybody in that particular field, you know, unit or subsidiary uh, that I now am there that I can help you with? So you want to get ground truth. That ground truth then marries up with 
what you formulated at headquarters with your leadership team and maybe with the higher ups to give you kind of that full picture of what the situation is like in that particular country. So that when you come back home uh, and you do an after action uh, meeting with your leadership team and you kind of break down, uh, you know, sort of what you found out in the field, it might um, inform you a little bit about your strategy, may help you tweak it or change it a little bit uh, or what have you. Uh, or it could validate that the strategy is great because the field says, hey, this is working wonderfully. But more times than not, you'll, you'll find a combination of, hey, the strategy is working great. We'd like to see a little bit more of this or we need these extra resources here because uh, the subsidiary leaders are telling us that we could, they could use that more investigative help or more background investigation help or crisis management help or whatever it is. Uh, you get that ground truth. Um, it's important. It's important for the team to see someone from the head shed, from headquarters, going to visit them, taking the time to go visit them. So it's not always them having to fly out, uh, get away from their families and friends and come to headquarters, but you're willing to go out and meet them. And I have seen examples at the highest levels of people that refuse to travel. It's inconvenient. Um, you know, I, I'd rather not, I'd rather not travel. Uh, I, I'm, I'm high enough that I could just make everybody come to me. And that way we can accomplish the same thing and I don't have to get on a plane. The thing is you can't accomplish the same thing unless you're in the field. There's other reasons why. When you're in the field, you're not just meeting with your team. You should be meeting with your major stakeholders and partners. You know, the people that you and your teams do business with. In our case, perfect example, uh, when we used to uh, travel, we would meet with first the business leaders of that particular subsidiary, whether it's a president, vice president, general manager, what have you. We met with the senior leadership, business leaders that were driving business for that subsidiary of Microsoft in that particular region. Number one, I wanted feedback on what they thought about my team. Did, and if they knew nothing about what my team was doing, that would be a problem. And then I'd have to kind of say, okay, number one, why? And kind of inform the leaders of, you know, this is why we're here, this is what we do. But, you know, as we got rolling along in our organization, that was not really an issue. Uh, it was more like, yeah, hey, Mike, your team's doing great. I wish I could see more of this or that or whatever. And you take that as feedback. Uh, all feedback is positive if you do something positive with it, right? Uh, if they... If you get feedback from leaders in the field and they don't like a particular aspect of what your team is doing, you listen. You don't automatically get defensive, you listen. Um, if there is a reason why your team is doing something that, the, that this business leader doesn't understand, then you have a conversation to explain why. But obviously if, the, if what something the leader is saying actually makes sense to you and you think, hmm, Maybe we shouldn't be doing it this way. Then you take that back to your team and you kind of figure it out. And you tell the leader, leader or leaders of that subsidiary, yes, we understand that and we're going to make it better. All right? The whole idea of going out to the field is continuous improvement, the morale of your team, et cetera, et cetera. But in our case, we also would meet with real estate facilities and we would meet if there were some people from procurement, uh, from finance. Uh, from legal, from HR, 
you know, our major stakeholders, the people that we dealt with on a regular basis, especially when we were dealing with crisis management situations and you, where you wrap up a crisis management team, incident management team, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and typically these, a lot of these folks are part of that incident management team that are going to help you triage that particular incident. So you want to talk to them, you know, how's our team doing? What could we, we could be doing better? Or in some cases, after you talk to your team, your team may say, hey, look, you know, we're getting, we're, we're working well with this organization, but the boss doesn't really seem to understand why we're doing something and we really need to get this done. He's, he or she's becoming a, an impediment. Could you talk to them? Yeah, then you carry their water and you go talk to them. So I think that uh, that's a big part of it. Again, that dialogue. Um, we would also meet with uh, the U.S. Embassy uh, in whatever country we're in. A lot of them, like, like I said, uh, I'm not unique to this. Uh, my CSO colleagues, are, most of us are uh, part of what we call OSAC, Overseas Advisory Council. It was started in the 80s under uh, then Secretary of State George Schultz. And it was the, uh, the first really major attempt at public-private uh, partnerships where State Department diplomatic security personnel around the world responsible for security of uh, U.S. citizens in their particular country area responsibility would work with uh, U.S. businesses represented in that country and councils to exchange information on threats to U.S. citizens. At the Uber, at the macro level in Washington, D.C., a bunch of us were part of this council that would work uh, really closely with State Department on different committees, whether it's technology or policy or what have you, to make sure that we're strengthening those ties between the public and private sector. And so we would always visit the diplomatic security folks, the regional security officer, they call them, uh, at our embassies uh, to talk to them about any threats against Microsoft, of course, but uh, any potential threats against uh, Western interests in that particular country. But it was good because it was informative. And a lot of times they, in their own country councils, they would ask me or my team to speak to these country councils. And that was, that was awesome. That was wonderful to have that kind of interface with all these uh, business uh, leaders uh, from that particular country uh, as part of this OSAC council. We would also meet with uh, local law enforcement, uh, sometimes military, sometimes intelligence, uh, uh, who were our allies and liaison in, in that particular country to, again, get any information on threats uh, to U.S. citizens, Western interests, and also, of course, primarily Microsoft. But the idea is that you can see when you go to the field, you're going to come back with a wealth of information, stuff that you can never get if you're sitting on your butt at headquarters thinking you know everything, right? And you don't. Uh, you need to get out there and you need to talk to the team from a morale perspective, from a fact-finding perspective, from a vetting perspective, right? And also for a continuous, uh, from, a, from a continuous improvement perspective. Because when you do go back and you do those after action meetings and you kind of break down how everything worked and, you know, hopefully uh, as you go through that after action, you're finding out that most of your operations are going great and the strategies that you and your team have formulated and uh, employed are working. But there will always be tweaks. There'll be some additional headcount requests that come out of that. There'll be maybe some political um, um, 
issues that you as uh, as the senior leader are going to have to deal with because maybe there's some obstinate person in that subsidiary that you just came from that's really you know putting a uh, a, a crimp in the style and the operations of your team there I and mean, it's your job to carry their water cover their backs and uh, make sure you're taking care of that situation but there are so many benefits to getting out in the field seeing your team and getting the ground truth Colin Powell said it the field is right until proven wrong they're not always right no there are times when they don't know the perspective of you at headquarters or the things that you're dealing with realistically from a political and a lot of times uh, fiscal basis. Well, we need to have X. Well, you need to have X. So does our team here and so does our team here. And but we have a finite amount of finances that we need to deal with. So it's up to me on the leadership team to kind of triage that and kind of stack rank. Okay, with the, with the limited budget that we have, who gets X, right? And so that's something that from a, from a field perspective, of course, there's a legitimate need for certain resources. We got that and if we had an infinite amount of resources and funding, everybody would get it, but that's not the real world. So you have to deal with the real world. Uh, so it's two-way street, right? And that's one of the things that you should do as a leader when you're in the field is to hear their feedback and understand where they're coming from, but also at the same time, make sure that they understand the realities that you have to deal with and your leadership team have to deal with back at headquarters. That there is not infinite in terms of the amount of resources that you need. But I think you understand where I'm coming from. Um, it is vitally important that you as a leader get out into the field whether it's you have a U.S.-based uh, uh, company or if you're, you know, I mean, I don't want this to be so U.S.-centric. You could be listening to this and you're a leader in France or a leader in Africa or a leader somewhere in the Middle East or Asia. Uh, whatever your situation is, uh, whether you have just, uh, just, whether you have a domestic-based team or whether you have global responsibilities, it's incumbent upon you and it's your responsibility to actually uh, get out and visit your team. Really important. Um, this is something you don't want to get wrong. This is something that should be built into your DNA. And you should also make sure that you pound it into the DNA of your direct reports that they need to get out in the field too and see their teams. And I think that if you do that and you practice that, uh, you're gonna find out number one, you're gonna have a better well-motivated, cohesive team. The morale is going to be 10 times better because you have taken the time to go see them, to listen to them, to hear them, and to take their concerns to heart and do something about it. Also, you will strengthen the relationships between them and the particular subsidiaries that uh, they're working for, the business leaders and their partners, because you've gone in there to help carry their water and to talk to them as well right? You've also informed them of the realities of what's going on back at headquarters, that they may not be able to get everything that they want, but you're going to work hard as hell to get them what they need. But if they don't get it this time, maybe they'll get it next time, but whatever, you give them the ground truth. So there are no kind of false notions about what's coming down.
And it makes you a better leader because you understand yourself. Again, we always talk about emotional intelligence. You understand yourself that you don't know everything. I've seen too many arrogant senior leaders that think they know everything and they don't need to listen. They just like to talk and they can never really become the leader that they possibly could be because of that. So by going to the field and listening, you grow your own leadership acumen and you become a better, better leader, a Ronin leader because of it. So that's, that's what I have for today. Uh, think about that. I'd love to hear your feedback uh, on this whole idea of either management by walking around or management by flying around. Uh, I, I, I believe Colin Powell had it, had it right. And I think that uh, let's, just, uh, let's just keep ourselves uh, attuned to the fact that we cannot keep ourselves insular at our headquarters or wherever we find ourselves at. We need to get out to the field and it'll make you a better leader for it. So that's all I have for this edition of the Ronan Leadership Podcast. Um, again, uh, if, you, if you like the content, please send me feedback. I love to get the feedback and find out what you're thinking about uh, any particular podcast. If you haven't done so already, please pick up a copy of my book, The Art of Ronan Leadership, and you get it from Amazon and MikeHowardAuthor.com. Be on the lookout for uh, the new book. Like I said, uh, could be a matter of days, but definitely no more than uh, a couple of weeks. You'll, you'll be able to buy a copy of The Art of Executing Ronan Leadership. It's all a how-to book on, on all the things that we talked about in the first book. Uh, if you have any ideas or suggestions of guests you'd like to hear uh, that we can reach out to, happy to entertain that as well. So until next time, uh, stay safe, uh, continue to practice those great uh, leadership skills and grow your leadership acumen uh, so that uh, you can uh, become the best leader that you can be, a Roman leader. Mike Howard, out.